commentary track it's, it's a, a simul it's, it's not a, a simulcast it's a simulcast commentary track it is a commentary it is a commentary track uh yeah we're gonna do a commentary track on picard the new cbs all access tv series uh we've both got to watch this by now so we uh are both well up and up on it and what you had some uh some Obvious spoiler concerns that uh, – what, what do you think about some of these spoilers? Uh, I'm not – Don't tell me any of them. Just I, tell me what you think. I'm not concerned about any anything being spoiled for me because really it's – it's the emotion wasn't stolen from me. So oh, I'm not point. worried about – that's why I'm not worried about it. So I might know uh, – have a good hearty gist of what happens because, guys, I still – I've got – like eight more episodes to go until I've completely finished Next Gen, and then I got four movies to watch. Yeah, 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 for real. Uh, um, I mean, you're close. You're real close. And there's it's, even some Deep Space Nine and Voyager stuff that shows up in this series. But really, I, the, the the most amazing thing to me is uh, one of the in, the premise for this entire series so far. Um, what a shocker! Like not. Not what we thought it was. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. Um, let's see. We did the whole primer. I saw you posted that. That was awesome. So if you guys were all thinking about it, I mean, that's already erroneous because there's there, we totally missed some episodes. I would say <coughs> if you're watching this, like we always say, you've already seen it, and you're listening to see what we have to say about it and what we think and are concerned with. Um, so you already kind of know. Uh, so I'm going to say um, Measure of a Man would have been an episode that we right. should have stuck on our thing because we're way but, more data instead of Picard. Yeah, now, we, right? we, didn't, we didn't realize how much it was going to do with data, which is, which is fine. I, I, I really think that – Oh, it's I, shocking. I, I really think that what we said held up in regards to just trying to figure oh. out uh, a, a good, well, well-rounded way to get the gist of who John Luke is uh, or to get – uh, some remembrances of it. Um, so that's what our point was, and so we did good. But yeah, if we're going to say that, if we'd have known that Data was going to be Data heavy, uh, Data's Day, Remembrance of uh, um, the, the Murder oh, of a yeah. Man. Um, the Offspring. The Offspring for certain. Yeah. For certain. I and mean, that, that, that pertains specifically to how Data created a daughter he named Lal, 
And uh, we didn't. We haven't done a comment. We haven't done a track for that, have we? No, I didn't really. I don't enjoy think that, that was episode. one we did. I'm still amazed that you say that. I think you should revisit it. I think that Admiral Haftel, as a as a foil character for the episode, despite the fact that he's a Starfleet admiral, um, and despite the fact that Data's sentience was well documented following uh, the case A Measure of a Man versus Bruce Maddox, um, that uh, I think Admiral Haftel, as a foil for that episode, reversing his perspective on things in that last moment when Data and Admiral Haftel are trying so hard to save Lal's life was a massive emotional moment. Rarely in narrative fiction, especially te- in a television hour, do we get a throwaway character like that who can- gets the opportunity to chew on that scene and, and uh, play with the dialogue and act like he got to. I don't know that actor. I don't recall him from anything else that I've ever seen. I'm sure I've seen him in something. But that dude delivered in one you know, four minute chunk of a scene. And it's just, to me, that, that episode, especially with Data just going back to the bridge and having no emotions about losing Lol, despite everyone else feeling it, that was one of the most critical things. Like, uh, and I always respected the Decipher company who made the uh, Star Trek Next Generation customizable card game for taking that moment when Data just returns to duty as the game is the image for his game card because they lovingly chose a most data moment i'm uh, I, I, to, to depict him ob- sorry yeah? obviously i disagree that he didn't have any emotion to it because he's definitely the most human character there is on the show however however i think if they had done measure of a man afterwards there would have been some sort of lull trinket that he would have had because it's one thing that really sticks out to me about data is that he has stuff, as opposed to just like one instrument that he keeps. Good or, point. He, he had it. He had it when they were clearing out his quarters. He had a lot of personal items that were that would uh, a robot simply or android, sorry, or uh, synthetic would simply not care about, like his uh, holographic projection of Yar, his his medals, uh, the the book that Picard gave him. What else was in there? There was a lot of good stuff in there. Um, he had a piece of artwork that came from his, uh, short-lived girlfriend, Jenna DeSora. He had all of these paintings that he'd done. Um, don't, don't, he plays music. He plays yeah. violin or viola. I'm not entirely sure which instrument it is. One of the, uh, one of the two. And so, I mean, therein lies a massive quotient of humanity. He's got a cat. I'd like to, <laughs> he's got a... he does. He keeps a cat. He's one of the, one of the few characters on the ship who has a, a pet uh o'brien the transporter chief who is a secondary character on this series has a pet tarantula and that's one of the only other pets we ever see outside of of course captain picard's fish uh livingston who consequently eventually patrick stewart decided i don't think that he would have the fish uh i don't think patrick stewart or i don't think uh, captain picard would keep a pet which is crazy because then he's got this dog in this series. Well, that was one of those conversations I had with Mike Okuda uh, and Denise and or Denise. I can't recall. But it was a thing like, why am I looking at a captain's quarters for first contact or insurrection uh, and um, 
seeing a fish tank that was so obviously not in the movie, and then seeing the fish tank and going, what is this fish tank in the warehouse of Star Trek set dressing? And they finally came down to it, and they were like, oh, uh, Patrick decided he wasn't, he didn't think Captain Picard would keep a fish as though it were a sentient creature. And I was like, wow, that shows a lot of interesting stuff. That shows a knowledge of character. That shows a knowledge of um, the future. And it shows an actor having that much power to say, I know that the production designer stuck this in there, but I want it removed because I think that it does this. I think that it says the, uh, something negative about this character, which is, I don't know, it goes all over the place. And we're talking about whether or not he has a fish. Ad, ad, ad nauseum. I think, um, I think the reason he had uh, the, the dog in the first episode is revealed in the name of the dog, number, number, number one. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, he, he just he, loves Will. He needs a number one. Like, he, he's, you're lost without him. Like, Will, yeah, exactly. I'm a little sad to see that Will's only in one episode from what IMDb is saying. But uh, did you actually like this episode? Honestly, I did. I didn't feel like it was a. Um, I didn't feel like it was. I'm trying to find the right word here. A, uh, an appropriate pilot episode. It doesn't have that encounter at Farpoint, um, emissary, broken bow kind of feel. It doesn't feel like it's the launching off point of some gigantic new thing. Um, it feels like, uh, it feels like, yeah, hey, we are introducing a bunch of stuff, but it just felt like an hour of television, I, despite I think, the fact of how much gravity it has. I think the fact that it was filmed in such a contemporary manner, that, that might have thrown you off. It's true. It was very contemporary. Um, the Romulans didn't exactly sound like Romulans. Uh, the... Uh, the news, the newscaster element was fascinating because that was always one of my favorite things about one of the Star Trek novels I read, this idea that the media would be hounding Picard and always trying to get on the Enterprise. They never did anything with that. When you think of characters who are living legends like the Enterprise crew, D or E for that matter, um, it's an enormous thing, like we see at the beginning of Star Trek Generations, that a new Enterprise would be out there for any reason. And the media, it's a media event. It seems like there would be media on board the Enterprise, any incarnation at almost all times. Like, this is where they are, this is what they're doing, you know? And uh, that these characters would be not exactly hounded by the media, but constantly reported on and talked about. So, the, the other thing I want to say about that is it was a little funny to see when they were showing pictures of Picard and uh, company from in, in that little moment uh, as an intro to his accomplishments, most of those were just kind of uh, uh, production stills, you know? They were, they were EP, electronic press kit or uh, uh, print and ad type photos that they pulled, the kind of thing that you stick in the, this is Captain Picard, like in an encyclopedia of Star Trek or something like that. It's just kind of funny that those were the media go-to choices that they did there because it felt to me like there ought to have been any number of other cool screen grabs they could have pulled, but then we're all sitting here having watched this shit out of TNG for, you know, since 1987, so we've seen every screen, every image of 
Picard from any direction. Now, when before we get into the show, what was it about it that was different from after post Nemesis, uh, from what we actually know, specifically uh, the destruction of uh, Ro- uh, Romulans, uh, the destruction of uh, uh, Mars. Uh- also, the 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 synthetics. Oh no, the synthetics. Uh, was that all part of it? Because I think you told me earlier, or a couple days ago, <clears throat> that there was a few things that I thought were spoilers that actually didn't happen. Yeah, what you uh, okay? The destruction of Romulus does not happen in Nemesis. Okay, that happens in J.J. Abrams' Star Trek two thousand nine, and it doesn't even happen. So it doesn't pertain. It, it no way pertains to it, this. Uh it totally does. But Nemesis pertains less to this than uh, I think that we were thinking. Um, Star Trek 2009 has a series of situations where um, Spock, who had been involved in the unification movement on Romulus to try to get Romulans and Vulcans back together with one another, uh, realized or was made privy to this idea that the Hova star was going to go supernova, and given its proximity to the Romulan Star Empire, would wash across their space and probably eliminate a lot of life in a giant chunk of the Beta Quadrant. Um, and that, uh, but like, it's like, well, where the hell is the Hova Star? Is that the, is that the Romulan Star, the star of Romu, that Romulus and Remus orbit? Is it a neighboring star that's like eight light years away, like Sirius is to Earth? We don't understand the, the spatial reasoning behind that. But the point is that, um, yeah, uh, one way or another, they tried to stop this. Spock tried to use the starship called the Jellyfish and use red matter to create a black hole that would soak, like suck in the destructive force of the supernova, and it didn't work. And so he was accidentally tossed into the past, and so was the uh, Romulan ship, the Narada, that had mined the red matter and thus the parallel reality of Chris Pine and Zachary Kinto and God bless his soul, Anton Yeltsin and, and Carl Urban and, and Zoe Solana, all of those guys. So, uh, I, th- yeah, I'm sorry, Anton Yeltsin guys. Um, the, uh, well, when it comes down to, I lost my track well, on it, that one. When it Sorry, comes when it comes real. down to it, though, it still has everything to do. So, Abrams, Abrams universe definitely has an impact on what we're seeing in Picard now. Um, not that universe. No, the uh, the events in our in the prime Star Trek reality that that uh, create a spurred timeline, an alternate reality of. Of the J.J. Uh, Abrams universe. Okay, gotcha. So that's that's how to answer that. Now, one. is there the point being somehow or another the Romulans needed evacuation or help? Honestly, I don't see how their society would need help from the Federation. They are an enormous, enormous star empire, and they have hundreds of subject worlds of races of species that don't realize it's like north korea let's say north korea took over most of asia and had controlled it forever and ever and a lot of like let's say they had mongolia and mongolia had no idea that the west existed that the united states existed except that 
you know, hey, we're all supposed to be afraid of these guys and hate them. So you think about this enormous empire of aliens under the control of the Romulan government, and um, it's, a, it's like, you know, they have gigantic Dideradex-class ships. They could have been evacuating forever and ever, but apparently the Federation was well disposed to try and help, and Picard wanted to do it. So... The sentient robot, the sentient android concept is different because that never happens. That does not ha I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm saying we've never seen it happen. This is new to this TV series. Uh, the mere fact that there were low-grade androids helping around uh, Starfleet headquarters was fascinating to me because some of the best Star Trek novels, Immortal Coil being one of them, uh, pertains to the idea that android life would eventually be persistent in the Federation. The thing that gets me is that after events taking place in Voyager with uh, the holographic doctor portrayed by Robert Picardo, um, without spoiling anything, would lead to holographic rights and the possibility of holographic sentience. Okay. So it is bewildering to me that they haven't done anything with that, or at least mentioned it yet, okay. even in the first episode. Also, I want to touch back on something. Seven of Nine as a character, um, also a person who comes from a cybernetic upbringing with her having been assimilated by the Borg when she was, but you know, around the time she was six years old, when she was trying to rediscover her humanity. She decided to run a hollow program about getting her own quarters and going on dates and stuff like that. And one of the things that was pr uh, interesting in that episode was Neelix and um, some other characters saying, like, oh, you should have knickknacks. You should have things that remind you of home and family and whatever. And so I, I, I really appreciate that about that episode. Data is an established person who came up in the Federation and understands humanity better than Seven of Nine. So I'm looking forward to seeing how Seven of Nine has changed. Um, so, yeah. Anyway. Well, let's... Other questions. Let's <laughs> let's get into it, man. I've got... Uh, yeah, let's watch I've this thing. I've got some notes here. Guys, obviously, in order to watch this, you need to be watching it on uh, CBS, whatever, CBS Plus, whatever. CBS All, Acti All, Ac All Access. All Access, that's what it's called. All right. So yeah. I can... Uh, we don't have it on DVD. Or anything like that, of course. Um, the thing being with this that what I've experienced so far with us trying to sync this up so we can watch it exactly simultaneously. Uh, whenever I start it, it tries to feed me a, a logo page. And uh, we'll just see. I don't know. We're either going to have this in perfect sync or we're going to be a few seconds apart. That's fine. So, uh, yeah, all right. So we are uh, just about 19 minutes in. And we're going to start this episode... You ready? Yeah, but okay, but don't confuse everyone. We're starting at zero zero zero. We're nineteen minutes into the podcast. Uh, That's yeah. right. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Good point. We're nineteen minutes into the podcast as of uh, four, five seconds ago. We are <laughs> getting ready to start this at the uh, beginning of the program. So hopefully, their self-aggrandizing advertisements don't uh, dick us up. All right. Uh, all right. Here we go. In. We're going to do this on engage, so we're going to lethal weapon this. So I'm going to say three, two, one, engage. We're going to click and click it on engage. Okay. All right. Three, two, 
One, engage. So, okay, beautifully shot here. This is something else. Uh, the song, Blue Skies, is specific to the last scene in Star Trek Nemesis. Um, also, because earlier in the movie, Data was singing the song. Yeah, I was about to say, uh, he was singing it at, at one point. I saw in a clip. Mm-hmm. And here we are in the Enterprise D. Beautiful. Uh, it's kind of fascinating that I did not get the impression when we were on this awesome uh, uh, fly up to the ship or whatever that that was 10 forward, but here we yeah, are in we're it. We're at 10 forward, and they're starting off playing poker the way they left off on the show. I'm a little yeah. I'm a little upset that uh, Data's not wearing his visor. Yeah, you mentioned that the other mm -hmm. day. I gotta say he actually looks pretty good here. For whatever reason, in some of the other shots, he's definitely a little. Sorry, guys. I'm sorry, Brent. Uh, I know you, I'm. I'm glad you're here. Yep. There's a. There, you, I know why you decided you didn't want to play Data any longer, and it had a lot more to do with playing a character who. Consequently, doesn't age. Correct. And the age is there no matter how hard we do, hard we try. So I would have figured out a way to write it in that he ages. <laughs> uh, yeah, totally. Even though this is a dream, but that uniform that he's wearing has no business being on the Enterprise D. Nobody ever wore that uniform on the Enterprise D because that uniform doesn't come out until first contact. Now, what is the significance that you think of him dreaming that Data would be showing him his tell. Is there any significance to that? I'm not sure. I mean, this is a great establishing scene that gives the fans a whole lot of uh, nostalgia quality and everything. But um, I'm not so sure. I mean, it makes me go back and think of the episode where uh, Cerna Colramey was on the ship and they were playing Stratagema. And uh, Data decided to stop trying to defeat the guy and just keep blocking him so that uh, the guy would eventually capitulate. I really want those cuts. No, I don't think that's what Data would do. Captain Picard would probably lose dozens of games to Data. I want those cups. Five queens. Oh. Is he cheating like a Q? <laughs> That's a, that's a good analogy. Oh, God, I hope we see some Q somewhere in this series. I want I want them to bring back uh, Wesley. I want, oh, for I, God, pl please I, bring I, I back Wesley. I want it to Wesley. be his re redemptive, I'm back, and I'm here to whoop some ass. Oh, man. Yeah, it'd be nice to see. I mean, the, the storyline with Wesley is so unfortunately shot to mess, and every attempt to bring him back and... Non-canon has been a little bit uh, meh, despite the fact that he has a very, very brief no-line cameo in uh, in uh, Nemesis. Oh, I love this establishing shot here for uh, that's about to happen when we see Chateau Picard. It's beautiful. However, I do have to say uh, there is nothing you can say or do or God himself or whatever deity that you uh, kneel down to that will ever get me to trust a Romulan. 
I, I am gonna hold that on, hold on to that for dear life. Like that is the one racist thing I'm gonna actually acknowledge. I'm gonna be 80 years old, and my grandkids are gonna be like, "Why do you hate Romulans? You can't say that, Grandpa." <laughs> like, Jeez. screw you, you little bastards. <laughs> Did they do a little too much with this guy's eye flicks? No, I, I loved I got it. A little bit. It was cute and everything, and then I'm like, why does he have? Eyes, I, you know, I blink, like blinking, going one direction, and then he has regular eyes. Otherwise, well, I, I love that his hair looks like he's got like thousands of giant ticks in his head. Yeah, it's very, it's not Kazon. The Kazon had these kind of like horns growing out of their scalps that were wrapped by very wiry hair. I'm just, I'm just saying, I feel like this guy kind of. They just went a little overboard with it. Like, I get it, he's an alien. Well, I, I, you don't need to do that in every shot maybe, to say that he's an alien. Maybe that's his tell. Maybe that's him bullshitting her and she doesn't know it because he's there just to get laid. <laughs> it's like, baby, of course I love you. <laughs> flip, flip, flip. <laughs> I dig the new uh, replicators. I think that's cool. That's not a uh, typical replicator. And I, later when Picard gets the replicator. Oh, yeah, a guy gets a knife in the chest. Yep. That's very... Uh, <laughs> Uh, that's so 24th century. I like the fact that she doesn't really activate until they put the bag over her head. Like It's like threat of death triggers her. I love it. Speak yeah. English. Yeah, there's a lot of, lot of things to wonder about here, and it's, it's hard... I'm I'm a little bit bored of fanboy culture. Yeah. And I'm, I'm tired of the idea that... Every conceivable moment might be an Easter egg or might be something. Oh yeah, like you the, go to YouTube. Uh, it's and... clickbait bullshit now. Here's here's oh, the so here's the theory of what this really means, and it's just clickbait bullshit. So I, I watched this part, and every little iota of moment felt like. Are we trying to create that, or is any or, of this just throwaway look, material? Look, look at the gun. Look at the gun. I guarantee you there's going to be some dipshit online that's going to be like, here's the theory that unites Picard and, and the Guardians of the Galaxy because it was a similar gun to Star-Lord's. I guarantee you that shit's going to happen. Yeah. Now, I did look at this knife, and I immediately thought of the uh, Mirror Universe dagger props from Enterprise. Uh, though, hey, maybe a knife is just a knife. Check out that blood. It's like gold. Gold Mercury, I love it. It was pretty, uh, I mean, you don't really get a lot of blood in Star Trek. But, um, I you know, contemporary contemporary television insists upon it. The, what do you think about these opening credits? Uh, I, I think it's great. I like the fact that they've got the flute in the back that Picard would probably be playing. Mm-hmm. The Resican flute? Yep. Dude, I heard an orchestrated version of that the other day, and it was just beautiful. Every bit of this just gave me just chills. Like, in the hints there to the ending. Mm -hmm. Well, you can't have... It's amazing to look at Picard before the Borg, and it's amazing to think of him since then. And... Is he defined by his his uh, adversaries? Adversaries? Ad adversaries? The Borg? You... Maybe his adversities. Yeah. So, uh, now I'm watching this again. I'm thinking about this duality thing between uh, 
Uh, we'll have to get into it, and I'll remember her name. Uh, well, I, the uh, I love the f- our characters. Sorry, man, I get excited. No, no, no. I love the fact that when she was quote unquote activated, or or when she became sentient in the in the sense where she can access her extra uh, abilities, was that the the key to it was her maker programmed into her uh, find this man. Oh yeah, totally. Like just it, well, it didn't, you know, it didn't if, say that, but she got the image of him, which you know hints to you have to find this man that he's that reliable. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm so glad to see Michael Shaben in the credits here. By the way, and uh, anything, uh, virtually any project that I've ever seen him attached to has has just been awesome. Uh, of course, he had a big part in writing Spider-Man Two way back and has written a lot of other really wonderful books. The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay is a book that every comics reader should read. Did they ever address the fact that he's French with an English accent? They never really did. My dad always commented on it being an Englishman. Uh, it's always kind of funny when he ever sa- whenever he says anything in French in TNG. It's with an English accent. <laughs> yeah. But they, they rarely did anything with it. I just remember, like, in the first season, they're like, okay, let's play with this a little bit, and then they just got away from it. I would just imagine that maybe uh, there was a, a, a large chunk of his childhood, even though he was French, that he was raised in the U.K., and he just eventually adopted it. Like, my sister, when she was a child, because she was born in England, and um, she she would she was born in England, but then when we moved, when she actually started talking we were in alabama and she started adopting a southern accent like I, we very much remember that Rom- yeah. i think think about like you know we think about what the romulans looked like and sound like in tng and deep space nine and voyager for that matter and it's a question of like these romulans are just so not romulan look at these it's almost impossible for us to ascertain whether they're romulans or vulcans and it's because they don't have that strong forehead. I still think they're Romulan trash, and of course I assume they're spies. <laughs> the, of course it's like the, the, the Boris and Natasha that befriend him, and like, oh no, we're best friends, and they're secretly... She knows about his dreams. Uh, mm-mm, mm-mm, knows too much. Yeah, the it's kind of fascinating, the, the familiarity. Mm-hmm. We've got some decaf tea there. I guess so. Instead of regular ass... Earl Grey. Visitor alert. (laughs) Visitor alert. That's what what I want. Red alert, yellow alert, black alert, blue alert, visitor alert. This guy, this guy right here. Yeah, I came all the way from Charlie Septa 7 to come to Earth and be a sound guy. What a handsome house, though. Look at that. The bricks. That is an extremely handsome house. Makes me wonder. Looking, Oh, I love his outfit here. Makes me wonder, when you live in the 24th century and you have a house like that, that um, consequently, this has got to be rebuilt because we know that the chateau burns down at a certain point. Um, spoiler alert. Uh if you're going to live in the 24th century in a classic style house, do you still have to put up with the same stupid wet, like hammer and nail type of BS to keep things? <laughs> or do those shears stay up by some 24th century technology, let alone that mirror on a brick wall? Well, you know? well, just the fact that the home 
is 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 made to last. The the fact that your chateau is is made to be a family home for as long as your family can can continue on with this one home. I, I dig that sort of concept. Now this was this part. Oh, these are those photos I was talking about. Oh yeah. This part enraged me that when she starts getting shitty with him, I wanted to slap the shit out of her. And oh yeah, you nobody. Yeah, we all kind of were like, dude, you're going way too far, lady. <clears throat> like they made it look like the R. Kelly interview. <laughs> this is only the second time I've got to watch this, so yeah, me too. I want to check this out. Yeah, it'd be interesting to know what quality of um, journalist this lady is. Oh. Is she a is she uh, a disgraced yeah. Connie Chung type? Is she a uh, is she a Diane? Is she a well, I don't know what you know. I mean, like is she hard copy? Is this? Yeah, <laughs> no way. That that those that knot in his tie. Hard is, copy. Is that not a current affair. Yeah, <laughs> you are not the captain. That tie knot is a pain in the ass. That tie right there. The tie, yeah, the, I saw that and I was like, oh, how many of us are going to be wearing that tie? I've soon? done that before. Oh man, yeah, that's. When, I won't be going anywhere wearing a tie without doing that for a while. It makes me wonder if you have to have a particular type of tie. No. This is a this is a great opportunity. This is a great okay when you've got a bunch of exposition to set up what's gone on for the last twenty years. This is how you do it. Really good. Ten thousand work capable fairies. Fascinating. No, I I agree. But like, I agree. In my comic book that I'm writing, uh, the history of what's going on is being told through the uh, radio, through the news announcer, getting everyone caught up. Yeah. As my characters are on a getaway, and that's exactly what they're doing right now. You get caught up real fast. Mm-hmm. I love that she doesn't. Yeah, I didn't realize she didn't know what it meant. She doesn't know what Dunkirk is. Until he uh, until he nails her on it in a minute. Mm. We got a trill. We got a trill lady there. That's kind of cool. We got new aliens. We've got old aliens. Which simultaneously messes with us in your concept of the Romulans. When you see these characters, it's like, okay, are do we know what to expect because they're a trill? Do we know what to expect because they're a Romulan? Mars remains on fire to this day. That is messed up. That's like a coal fire in Pennsylvania. And then it begs the question, where is Starfleet building all of its best starships if Utopia Planitia Fleet Yards Yeah, because they showed is it. Is ruined. Yeah, they showed it. Yeah. That's the thing is that you have the orbital fleet yards where the ships are constructed, but does that mean the raw materials are being fabricated down on the planet? And also there is an enormous civilian population that doesn't have anything to do with shipbuilding that lived on Mars. So there was that a That is tragically messed up. So there was a large population on Mars. Yeah, let's hear it. Oh yeah, totally. This is a serious moment here. And mine's buffing. We can stop if we need to. Pause it for like four, five seconds.
Okay, we fin- I stopped yeah. it. All right, we'd come back at Starfleet slung from its duties. Yeah, we're good. You ready? Yep. Or you got to catch up to that. Very I'm at 15 minutes, 49 seconds. I am too. You are? Yep. Okay. Three, two, one, engage. No, you should have hit play right then and there. <laughs> I'm at 1602. Uh, I can't fix it. I'm pausing it. Tell me when you're at 1608. Now. Okay. So here we've got Dodge going down the street. and I dig this because it's awesome that maybe she didn't, maybe she does, like if you've got a journalist that doesn't know what Dunkirk is, well, you've probably got some millennial like this girl who doesn't know what uh, who Captain Picard is. Right. Of course, he's been out of the public light for 20 years. That doesn't mean – I mean, he is the General Grant. He is the Abraham Lincoln. He is George Washington. He's every kind of character you can have, and everyone ought to know who he is. He saved the Earth and the galaxy and the universe a dozen times each. And so everyone ought to know who he is. And that's the crazy thing. It's like, oh, you served on the Enterprise? That and a, that and a dollar will get you a cup of coffee. But at a certain point, i got to say, like, you know, oh, were you? Oh, well, you were your transporter chief O'Brien. You know, I mean, even the third-tier characters would definitely have some kind of notable credibility anywhere on Earth or in a lot of the Federation. I have a hoodie just like that. What are you cross-dressing? No. I'm just kidding. That's a uh, that is a totally badass like Renaissance Fair style hoodie. Should I? A little too open around the neck though. Like if you're if you've got a, that's where I get cold. I've been cross-dressing since I moved out of the house when I was a teenager. (laughs) I know. I've seen the pictures. (laughs) On not just on your Facebook. I know, right? So, uh, for anybody who's watching or listening, if you are interested in Joshua's cross-dressing photos, his Facebook, <laughs> it's all there. She's a great actress. I mean, she's nailing this. She's really something else. Yeah, I, I do like this gal. I, I don't recall her from anything else. She has a very exotic appearance. She has very interesting eyes, fantastic skin, and they focus in on her mouth a whole lot because she has unusual, unusual lips and teeth, the way her jaw sets. There's a lot of cool stuff going for just her physical appearance, and then she's clearly talented. Every time, I, that, that is some serious tears. Every time I see a young uh, a young woman be so good at acting, at, at obviously she's got to be like twenty two, maybe tw- like nineteen. I think I looked her up. She, I think she just turned twenty. It, it I always worry like, please don't turn into some like dumbass Hollywood starlet. Like have some have some substance. Yeah. Yeah, you. Yeah, it's hard for me to take the idea that Captain Picard would just think that's weird. But at the same time, like I say, 20 years have gone by. He doesn't feel like he's a public figure anymore. I wonder if he misses it. There's a line later on that really struck a chord with oh, me. Oh, I'm sh- yeah, he totally does. There's a, a line later on that just hit me hard, man. When he gets out of bed, out of the couch, and he's like, I haven't been... It's like, I haven't been resting, I've just been waiting to die. I don't know, that's that's something that I felt a couple of years ago. 
I'm not going to lie. I did not like that part because I was taken out of the story. Why is Captain Picard, after an explosion of that nature, at home suddenly? He's disgraced. Why isn't he in a hospital? He's disgraced. Oh, oh, you, no, oh I know, oh, you but mean, like, oh, I'm oh, talking oh, about the, the yeah, credulity we're, we're was ahead. lost on We're getting me. ahead of ourselves from that explosion. Yeah, that's about. a ways. We'll get there, everybody. Now, what is the significance that he would have seen this and then got inquisitive about it? Well, when you're a detective, and whether or not he's in part of an investigative uh, force, he's a Starfleet guy. Yeah. He's a former captain, and they solve mysteries. And so when you've got a whole bunch of questions about something, you look at everything. Furthermore, we need that. We need to be able to make enough of a point of that pendant Right. So that we see it later on the sister character. Do you feel do you feel that uh he would have kept a tricorder and a phaser? Oh hell yeah. Everybody it's standard it, it, you just you you could have any number of weapons for any number of reasons. You could have any number of sensors and detect mm -hmm. you know, yes. I think it'd be fun to have seen him like go and pull uh, a tricorder out of a nightstand or something like that, or have a brick that he pulls out. What I like about this scene is that it's setting up his inquisitiveness and wanting to take this girl in as, as his ward. Like, it's like yeah. he, he's sensing a second chance here. Not not in the, I miss being on adventures and getting into <clears throat> danger, but in, in, the, in the most... Maybe in that same kind of parallel, but not the same wavelength where he's just like, man, I just want to shoot Nazis like I used to. Um, <laughs> it, it's there's there's something here, and he knows that he's the one to do it, and he's getting the smell of it right now. And the fact that the dog likes her. Yeah, I dig that. That's a a thing. I don't get her getting up and going to bed and leaving that jewelry behind if her dad gave it to her. That just doesn't fly. I think she might have left that there just because. Um, it was like maybe a, a gift or a token that she wasn't being disrespectful. I don't know. I think it's a... I, I think, unfortunately, it's a, uh, it's a screenwriting... I mean, here he is, he's looking at it. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a whole point. Why wouldn't he be like, oh, hey, let me take you, take this to your room. It just doesn't, I don't, I don't, I, I also have problems with this whole idea that she got up and left in the night, except that they are evidencing that she apparently is invisible to, um. Their sensors or Yeah, whatever system. you want to call it. Did you notice. Detection equipment. Did you notice that the sweater he was wearing in the last scene was like knit to almost mimic uh, Starfleet uh, uniform? It had that quality, didn't it? it? Just I don't know. I don't know that it necessarily was supposed to be it, uniform. It, no, it stuck out in certain spots to mimic like folds. Hmm. Yeah, it was a handsome piece of wardrobe. I'm interested in how all these people have different kinds of brooches on. You know. I thought he was admiral. How come he's got captain? Uh, captain. He is an admiral, but he's dreaming about when. If you're dreaming about your time with. Data in that uniform, you're not an admiral yet. I still love this man. And th this is a big deal uh, in dream um, psychology, not being able to see a face. Yeah, I feel like I've uh, I feel like I've done that. I say Patrick looks really good there. 
He looks great. Now, in regular day-to-day life, his voice is so much more gravelly. That's true, yeah. he's He's got a very clear... He's projecting in his Shakespearean theater fashion. I did watch that piece with the uh, from the View. Look, 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 look at the uh, yeah. Oh, the, that shocked the no, crap out of me when they when he got up and saw that. Look, look at the look at the the knit on his sweater. And yeah, that did to me too, man. Like just that was such an honor for Whoopi. Yeah, we were talking about the View and uh, what I watched Graham Norton show uh, with Patrick going by stuff like that. Yeah, this is wonderful. Uh, it's so great to see so, Starfleet headquarters, and it's got that. It it feels like the J.J. Abrams Starfleet, minus uh, being at the Getty Center. And you think a deliberate reference to the uh, Jedi archives? <laughs> uh, it feels like it kind of has to, yeah. So here we have a low-grade android of some uh, sort. It doesn't seem that low-grade. Holographic uh, sentience in a way. Now, one of the mm. things here that sticks out, obviously the banner from uh, Captain Picard Day. Uh, it's not. Th- oh, man, yeah, that's awesome. It's not the right fabric. The, the fabric was more silver. No, it was paper. No, well, like if you, yeah. if you look back, it had a silvery uh, luminescence to it. And, mm-hmm. wow, is that the Stargazer? Yeah, on the right, yeah. that's that's a model of the Stargazer, presumably the one that he had in the Enterprise D uh, room for all that time. The thing that gets me is when we peel away here in a minute, we see the Curly and Nascos. Um, I don't. Th- it, there's something specifically that I want to say about that, but it's a spoiler, so uh, I will save it until we watch that movie. And there's her face. In just <coughs> a second, we're gonna see it. Now, one thing I love about this is that Starfleet is smart enough to give their uh, admirals or, or commanding captains or wh- whatever rank you have to do to have a safe there, like a walk-in. Uh, oh, that's awesome. To, uh, yeah. For historical reasons that these are the items that mean and matter to the future and to the past. You could, I mean, oh, God, how many beta cannon Star Trek books are going to play with this idea. We've got to break into Captain Jellicoe's blah, 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 or whatever, you know? What does he have in there that we can't see? Right. Yes, he did. Beautiful oil paint. Yeah, it's really nice. <laughs> my, so I watched this with my friend Leslie. Hey, Leslie. And when every time they showed one of these nice establishing shots of a city, she was like, damn, Paris, calm down. <laughs> damn, San Francisco, control yourself. Just <laughs> everything looked so cool. Do you think her parents are actually real? Uh, no. This feel they feel like I mean it's oh dude I don't I hate to say it but it's very Battlestar Galactica. Uh, it's very um, Blade Runner. Yeah, extremely. Oh, those are implanted memories. Uh, 
And this, unfortunately, is way too obvious of a trope for Star Trek, guys. We've seen this done a dozen times. I don't mind in it. In everything. It's just... You know, it's not like... It's not like uh, Terminator 2. Hey, what's the matter with Wolfie? <laughs> Wolfie's fine, John. Your fox and prince are dead. <laughs> Your fox and prince are dead. What is the dog's name? Max. If I was writing this, I would have uh, had a little bit of a flicker in her eyes to hint that she's an, an, a, a synthetic, like the way all the especially other after we just saw that one. But they don't want you to read that she's a synthetic. Just a little tiny like, flicker. Just a just a little. Maybe, maybe. See, ultimately, I get why they did this whole business of her running off and stuff, but I think it would have been a lot more fun for her to just go there with him, except that it creates more tension. So it just felt like someone was trying to find a beat point right there. Well, Which isn't to say that I, I'm not uh, a slave to that myself. Well, okay, tension is one thing, but they robbed themselves of more time with the girl, with Picard, uh, to yeah. to establish more of a, his his... Uh, I don't want to say love, but, you know, his compatriotship with her, uh, just give him more time mm -hmm, to, for mm -hmm. him to care more about the girl that we see near the end. I do love this piece, though. This might have been my favorite part of the whole show. Uh, when you have characters who are running around, and I'm talking about narrative fiction again, if you've got characters who are running around trying to, they just, they can't find the common ground, they can't find... I gotta reveal everything to you, blah 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 blah, or whatever. That's my favorite part. There's nothing like having an imbalance in a relationship that you finally settle by way of conversation or just that one special touch, or maybe you finally cross that barrier and do a consensual kiss, and now it's all gonna be different. This is no different than that. This is two people who don't know one another, but he has so much to tell her, and she has so much she needs to know. And learn And from she's, him. yeah, I totally appreciate that. I just, look at the gravity of the acting, the performance, the, the pacing here, the dialogue, everything about this scene. Watch this again without us yammering over it, and just really pay attention to this. If you're interested in writing, this is where it's at. Characters explaining themselves after a bunch of tension. Mm, it's a great thing. <coughs> I keep rereading my own work and going, I don't like this, I don't like this, I don't like this. And then I get to a scene where I did something like this and I'm like, oh my God, this is where I nailed it. And then I keep going, oh, what do I do next? And I'm going, oh, go back to that conversation. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, that's what I've got to do next. They figured it out. Now they got to go somewhere. Now this is the catalyst. What's next? I mean, this is the midpoint of the episode too, so... Some at some answers have to happen by by this point. Well, there's a resounding sense of second chances throughout this whole episode. Yeah, her destruction and then the re revelation that she's got a twin that you know that Picard's got to get to. 
Also, the fact that you mentioned it earlier, before I forget, that we it's difficult to tell if someone's Romulan or Vulcan now, uh, which might be a good thing, might be a bad thing. My prejudice aside. Uh, you know, it's just... Come on, put the money. If you're going to put all this money into it... No, no. Go ahead and give us the special effects makeup, no, guys. No, maybe that it's actually a point <coughs> that... You, that because, you know, they, they, they branch from the same species. Now that, you know, the, the planet's gone and they're more integrated, that maybe that's a, something that we need to... That's going to stick out. Well, you think about that sequence of the prejudice from Star Trek VI. You know, oh, the Klingons... That's part of the rough. Oh, I love that he's feeling his age here. You know. Yeah, that hurt. That was that was pretty much something. It, this is when I started getting really really anxious when <clears throat> he started showing his age. Like, don't fucking copy Logan here. Do not do that to me. No. Well, I mean, the point I was getting at, like, you get into Star Trek Six, and they're talking about how. Uh, um, well, we can't let the, the Klingons into the Federation. They'll become the galactic scum of the universe. And I understand that prejudice. But what would the Romulans be if they were integrated into Federation society everywhere? You know, you've got a centuries-long distrust and hatred that has barely, you know, you had one good solid war. This is some Matrix-style action. I'm loving this. They did a good job of, um, did he, of going into the whole business of of doing martial arts stuff. Was that saying that she's capable of all of this? But let me get to one thing. It's a question of these guys beaming in and beaming out. Yeah. Why don't they just beam her up if they're trying to capture her? Well, they can't. She's she's if she, if she can't uh, acid spit. Some kind of augment. I hope. I hope that's an augmented situation, not a uh, a. Uh, New alien, you know? <clears throat> or God help me if there's some scene later where they're like, oh yeah, the Romulans have always been able to do that. Yeah, that pissed me off. Ooh. There's no way they'd do that to us. Discovery's already letting us down so much. Don't let Picard do that to us. Alright, so we already got the, uh, the um, psychic or the deep down instances here that what he that's building point A to point B, that A, he's got to be all in. And B, he's got to rescue yeah. that girl. He's already all in. Like, from the moment she arrived, and he had a overnight to think about it, and then the whole thing with the paintings, I mean, he's all in. There's no part of him that's sitting there going like, oh, what do I stand to lose? My, my vineyard. I might stand to lose... My relationship with my Romulan buddies. I might stand or lose my standing in Federation society or something like that. He already doesn't care about all of that stuff. So in essence, I don't, I don't need this sequence to know that. And I also kind of don't like, this is the one thing I really don't like about this episode is the, like I said, why is he waking up here? He was just in San Francisco. How did he get back to freaking France? Or those hippy-dippy freaking Romulans. Yeah, I mean, if we get down to the point where we find out that we can't trust these guys, well, that's screwed up. Where was Riker and Troy and Jordy for all these years? Where was Worf checking in on them and, and being like, uh, yeah, there's something we don't trust about these Romulans? 
We would have figured that out in five seconds with the old crew all together, you know? There was one thing earlier in his <coughs> in his uh, archive there that he had a, a batot. No, what's it called? Uh, a bayleth. A batleth. A batleth. Batleth and a in a McCleth. There, there's no way that that's warps. That was a family heirloom, and also with his involvement with the Klingons being a, an adver um, from adversary to advisor to uh, you know moderator. The arbiter he, he, of succession. Yeah, there's no way he wouldn't have had his own. Yeah, I can really, really hope that uh, that was that was just his. Yeah, there's you know? there's no way Worf would give up a family heirloom, no matter how much Alexander disappointed him. <laughs> well, it could have been a oh, shut up. it could have been a family heirloom. It could have been a a gift from Worf. That would have been nice. This is where I felt that this episode was made for people like us. That we we've got Allison Pill. I oh, I, I really hope this cements her as a, a serious actress and and gives her the push because she's. She's had so many little roles, but in, in some things that really stick out to us, like Scott Pilgrim. But man, I really want—I mm -hmm. want her to be the new Crusher, or something like something. Oh man, yes, I'll take Allison Pill in a Star Trek role that defines her career. Mm -hmm. Dude, that would be. She's already got it. She's already got everything she needed to do. But like. Yes, if she was only in this for a season, I'd be happy. I mean, you know? if she's if she's on uh, medical staff, uh, why not them going out to try to? No, she's not. Well, well, think about it. Let me finish. Uh, mm -hmm. If if they made her medical staff, they could be going out there trying to save as many um, uh, synthetics as they can. And who better to be medical staff than her? It's her dream. Sure, totally. Oh, she's definitely going out there to. She'll be out in the universe with them. If I was on Earth at this time, I would be overwhelmed with depression until I got into the sky, into into the sky, into the stars. Like, look how boring it is compared to actually being out there exploring. I've always had this. Uh, <clears throat> um, it just occurred to me: we're in Okinawa for crying out loud, yeah. and where are the Japanese Okinawans? Japanese slash Okinawans. Anyway. Um, <clears throat> and that's B4. Yeah, so. Yeah, B4. Mm -hmm. That didn't work that well. Now, when you see the B4 performance in, in Nemesis, you're going to appreciate. <coughs> Him being me. dismantled? <laughs> you're going to, well, I don't know why he's dismantled. Unless, if that's what she's talking about, because I may have missed that as a scrap of conversation, that it overwhelmed B4 and they had to shut him down. All right, there was the there was the bombshell for the episode, Bruce Maddox, and uh, for yeah. for everyone that's listening, if that rings a bell, uh, Measure of a Man, he was the the one arguing that Data was property of Starfleet and not actually alive. That eventually learned his lesson, and I love the fact that he's the creator of of these two girls here. The fact that uh, hey, remember that in later episodes, Data was corresponding with him in actual letters, uh, mm -hmm. which you know shows like I, you know, I can write. I have handwriting. I, something. This is something you can hold on to. And then also the fact that he would, what sort of access would he have had to anything that Data had sent him or Data's, uh, ar Data's own personal archives that he would model those two twins after a painting of, you know, titled daughter. Oh yeah, completely. And and what a redemptive quality! Because remember how much I hated him through that episode. I was just fuming through yeah. the whole thing. 
And now they've flipped the switch. They've and and that's a really hard thing to do with a stubborn asshole like me, man. Because once I decide I don't like something, <laughs> I'm I'm done. So and by the it may, maybe the fun challenge here uh, by the end of this season that I'm man like or I, I'm really sorry about my ignorant comments about Romulans. <laughs> Here we are again with the jewelry. I also still don't like that. <clears throat> um, I don't think she would lift it behind. I don't think that, uh, I, I get that him he's carrying it around, but there's no reason why he couldn't just be like, oh, here's, I've got a, I've, I'll draw you a picture. But, uh, okay, whatever. Stop? I know that what I'm saying is clunky and not very, it's just, I, I like to err on the side of credulity. That's a good way to do it. They're really good on screen. The, they're just man, yeah. They've I got, hope that she's in this series. They do have some great chemistry. Mm-hmm. They're made in pairs, like goats. He's got a finder. What ship is that? That's a is that a Deathbird? Uh, no, a war, war uh, like a a bird of prey or something. Yeah, I, no, I've never seen that ship before. That's, That's gorgeous. The show. That's gorgeous. Romulan. It's got all the qualities site. of Romulan design. This guy's awesome. I don't trust him. <laughs> yeah, don't trust him. He's. I think he's clearly a bad. He's guy. He's clearly a bad guy. God, she's stunning. Not 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 in a pervy way, but she's like she's she's breathtaking. I love the fact that she doesn't look like anybody. He's so mousy. This guy is way too English to be a Romulan. And he's mousy. He's got that mousy quality to him, like Peter Pettigrew from Harry Potter. Yeah. Yeah. Do not trust the guy that kinda looks like a rat. <laughs> None of uh, I don't know. You watch all of TNG, and there's a particular style for what Romulans look like. And then suddenly we have all of these unkempt, contemporary, bearded, no product, you know, yeah. frumpy-haired Romulans. Well, he's got that English quality, that's for sure. Fixing broken people. He's saying all the right things. <laughs> He's, oh yeah, he, you know she was. He's researched. Ready to go. He's researched the shit out of her, and he just accidentally said the the one thing that she said to a friend a couple months ago, and she's like, "I just want a man to say this to me," and he just he just <laughs> exactly. said he just said two of them. Did you ever watch John Carpenter's Red Eye? No, but if it's a carpenter, I don't know why I haven't. Uh, I think that's the right name. The name of it. it's the uh, Rachel McAdams uh, movie. Uh, it's it, they're stuck on an airplane. And uh, Cillian Murphy's in it. Um, Love that it's guy. It's the same thing. Really, really like that movie. It's uh, campy in a certain way, and um, it asks a lot out of you to, when we're talking about credulity, it asks a lot. Um, but uh, it's a lot of fun. I think you should check that movie out, because it is exactly this entire uh, conversation mm -hmm. that we just witnessed. Or... 
I'm confused why the Romulans would be reverse engineering Borg, uh, Borg technology to make... Wait it, a it, minute. You're confused by that? <laughs> why wouldn't they be? Uh, Everyone I, should be reverse engineering Borg technology. I just think it's, <clears throat> I just think it's just a dangerous thing to do. Um, uh, but, Let me tell you. Well, I mean... It, I know what it, you're saying. It's the same thing in my mind of like using Nazi, uh, Nazi science. That, that I'm reading a book about that right now. I'm reading a book uh, about Operation Paperclip. Yeah, but there's and, there's um, ethical connotations. There's the fact that you're you're playing with fire, and uh, mm-hmm. it, anything spawned from evil, I, I so usually regardless of your intentions of going in to use this you know information for good, usually in all the stories in in tropes or uh, stereotypes or whatever word you want to say when they're copying something, um, never ends well. And now, yeah, now that I say that, I obviously that's our that's the, here's our enemy. <laughs> when you watch J.J. Abrams' Star Trek two thousand nine, that is exactly the what we're supposed to do is read into it because there are the deleted scenes. Um, what it amounts to is, of course, Spock getting pulled back. Uh, how do I say this? Okay, Nero. And the starship Narada okay. gets it's a Romulan it's a Romulan ship that was uh, it's a mining vessel that was imbued with Borg technology. Um, why Pfft, to get the job done? We don't really know exactly why because they didn't put that into the uh, story. So you look at the crazy technology of the original series. In, um, in that movie, and you're like, how is this so over the top compared to what we saw in the original series? And uh, Discovery, for that matter, uh, which they haven't explained it away there. Um, the Narada has Borg technology for some reason. So we can assume that a Borg ship was captured by the Romulans or they reverse engineered it or something like that. Simultaneously, you have the Kelvin, the USS Kelvin, doing reading after reading after reading and scans of the Narada and going, what the heck is this all about? And then all of that information leaving with the shuttlecraft when they escape the ship before the Kelvin and the Narada get blown up and pulled into the black hole and whatever happens. Well, all of that 24th century, all of the scans taken from the 24th century thing creates a quantum leap in the technological level of uh, the J.J. Abrams verse, and that's why the Enterprise in that movie is bigger than the Enterprise D, and more, it's faster and more capable and crazy weapons and shields and just mind-bending, this doesn't work, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's the same business. The Romulans, hopefully we're seeing the Borg cube that the Romulans captured that they used to reverse engineer and incorporate into the Narada. That would be an awesome, you know, lace to tie. I would like that to be the case. I, um, I would like it to be the case, too, because you're usually right about that. Uh, now, you totally lost me on pretty much everything you just said, but I was, <laughs> I, I, was, I was paying attention. It was just it was one of those things where I was nodding politely while soaking in as much information as I can so when it actually happens or anything similar does. Um, just for people that are tuning in for the first time. Now, we do 
obviously we've got a lot of people that download our our Star our Star Trek uh, Next Gen simulcast slash uh, commentary tracks. But if you're listening to this the first time because you saw that we did Picard and you just got curious, uh, we do this once a week on Fridays because it's one of those things that uh, is sentimental in my mind back in the day in high school, you know, not going out partying and drinking, staying home on a Friday night to watch a long night of, of sci-fi uh, wherever I could get it. And that's why we do it on Fridays. But also, uh, this is this is important to us. Uh, it, it, it's a huge structure of, of my moral compass and uh, would you agree with that on, on your own accord like your own moral compass or your own um ways you pattern yourself in public or how you handle yourself as a man um i have a lot of good things going for me when it comes to character and i'm not afraid to say that you do you really do man You're my captain i i get thank you i get a lot of it from my dad and my mom individually and paired i get a lot Mine of it too. from boy scouts and taekwondo so i'm a black belt and i'm an eagle scout um and then uh, i've you know and then yeah i have the opportunity to make my own decisions when faced with the possibility of doing some really stupid things or taking advantage of things i have more often than not opted on no that might hurt that person so i don't even want to risk it or something like that so i have that but yeah star trek it comes from that it comes from a lot of things it comes from gi joe cartoon psa's public surface announcements it comes from be thinking about being a jedi knight it comes from all like goodness is spread across so many wonderful, successful uh, media franchises. Star Trek is huge for that. The idea of crew was is is something I took from Star Trek. Whenever we would go out in college, didn't matter if you'd been hanging out with us for weeks or one time, you were part of our crew, and we were going to make sure that nobody messed with you, that we got home safe, that you were comfortable. Uh, you know, that, that was a big part of it, crew. And that's all of my friends that I grew up with who loved the Highlander and loved Star Trek and loved Star Wars and any number of other cool things. It was like, yeah, but we're a crew, so we're going to look after each other. We might, we might have a sword fight with reeds and make our knuckles bloody, but that's just because we're having a good time. No, I but, agree. Uh, yeah, no, I get what you're saying. What do you think? Where does it come from for you? Well, it, it comes from for me in in terms of like that's my captain and uh, oh, yeah, man. and I'm I'm not uh, I I had I have amazing parents that taught me a lot of good morals and uh, I was raised Christian but I'm uh, no longer. Uh, however, I don't hate Christianity, but when it comes down to uh, a moral uh, structure, uh, I found it in Starfleet. I I I, I found it. You know, there's certain I'm not. My spiritual beliefs are way off key than than the the norm. However, uh, the way Starfleet conducts itself, like when Takei talks about, you know, like was he, you know, were you gay then too? And he's like, yeah, even the character was gay. This is just, <laughs> just, just, it was the twentieth century, uh, the, the twenty, the twenty, uh, what what century? I'm sorry, century. I'm sorry. It was the twentieth. Twentieth. Yeah, just it, it, it's, we didn't care. <laughs> like that's how evolved they are. Didn't matter. Oh, you're talking about the show? It was the 20, 20 Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, that, that sort of stuff doesn't matter. Like, how, how would a Starfleet manager uh, or, uh, 
uh, even Lois Ensign uh, handle themselves in, in whatever situation uh, because they have to, it's not even, it's not even like this is, this is our culture, you know, this is what you have to do or you got to go. I mean, in, in a way it is, but at the same time, it, it always pointed in the right direction on the compass it, to, to north as opposed to uh, questionable morals. I mean, despite the fact that Starfleet has made some serious errors in judgment, um, but that's all individual people. But yeah, that's why we're doing this, and I, and if this is the first time you're listening to this, this is one of the reasons why we love to do it. It's a lot of fun. Colin knows pretty much everything about it. Uh, you know, he's the one that got me into it. I used to hate it when I was a kid, but I didn't have the right person to show me. And I love this episode, oh. and I, I, I'm so glad for it on a multitude of, of reasons. One, for example, like around the holidays, we had Watchmen, we had The Mandalorian. Oh, <laughs> yeah, man, we, yeah, we had so many great shows happening at once, and... Um, and then all of a sudden, done. And now we've got Picard. Okay, so I've got, I've got a uh, Thursday nights to look forward to. Hell yeah! And oh, it's true. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta finish watching Discovery. Uh, I'm start. I'm gonna start Chernobyl. Um, I haven't got to watch that yet. People might ask, you know, how can you possibly be like some kind of a pop culture person if you haven't already this, that, or the other? I'm like, guys, I'm. That's, Please take into account the uh, the uh, the uh, complication of what I do for a living. So yeah. <laughs> that's the tough. I part. mean, like, I'd rather wait for stuff to come out on DVD. Honestly, when it comes down to it, sometimes you know, like pop culture person, like I wouldn't say we're pop culture people because the pop culture people really annoy the shit out of me. Like we were talking earlier about, <laughs> like, I, oh, obviously, like I was my theorizing that there's gonna be some dude that thinks that the the gun she was wielding is based off of Star-Lord, so there's some connection, and the, 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 that's what bothers me. I would like to say... Oh, I'll tell you what. I would like to s- if anything, it makes me think of Exosquad. Oh, that's cool. Uh, and if you know what that oh, yeah. is, I'm telling you all, check check out Exosquad. Well, well, well now some dude's going to write some theory about... <laughs> some fan theory about Exosquad. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I really can't imagine that one happening. Well, if anybody was going to do it, it was going to be me. Well, I would say we're pop, <clears throat> we're pop culture elitists, like... Come to us to tell. <laughs> Be the elite. Yeah. Yes, yes. Come to us yeah. so we can tell you what's good. No, that's not true. I'm just joking. You, you make your own decisions, but no, everybody can do what they want to and go where they want to for it. We're just another, another interesting voice with uh, our own particular unique aspect. The fact that we're more educated. <laughs> <laughs> nah, just yeah, still yeah, just yeah. joking. Be elite. Uh, gotta love the elite, the elite. Everybody. Gotta, gotta um, love the young bucks. Sorry. Yeah. So overall, I mean, I I appreciate looking at the uh, uh, listing for this episode and seeing it's like a four and a half star episode. My my complaints only spill into those narratives. The characters were awesome. The actors were awesome. Um, special effects are they're they're contemporary uh you know it's it's great to see the federation at large uh you know you you watch star trek and you're typically stuck on a starfleet ship going to starfleet places and or seeing something that is you know hey here hey you guys should look at us and aspire to be this because you're living in campfires or whatever but uh you know you get to deep space nine it's a totally different show uh, and then you go back to the same business as Voyager, pretty much. Um, and Enterprise is Rome. Every time I think of Starfleet and Star Trek, I think of uh, Gladiator. And I think of what Maximus says to Caesar. He says, Rome is the light. 
the world is in darkness, I'm paraphrasing, the world is in darkness and uh, Rome is the light. It's like, yeah, we can be this. Everybody can be this. You know, you shed this prejudice, you shed this uh, drugs, you shed this uh, manipulative quality to yourself and you can be part of the Federation and we will share with you everything that we can possibly give you. And because we should all be equals, you know. That's, Agreed. That's the beauty of Agreed. it. Agreed. Yeah, sorry, I'm going off on a whole. No, thing. no, that's that. I'd like right. that. That's your takeaway because my takeaway is I'm I'm just excited to fall in love with a new crew with my captain. Uh, I think they're going to try to make him a little bit more roguish. I don't care, and then maybe they'll bend. Don't in care. Towards don't care. Picard's uh, particular uh, leadership, you know, his inspirational leadership. Literally, what I want: everything. new crew, new people yeah. to fall in love with, and my captain. I don't care how roguish he is, because you because yeah, you know yeah. he's going to bring everyone full circle. Oh, God, could we please get Michelle Forbes in one episode? Can we get Ensign Rowe, Lieutenant Rowe? Can we please have them solve their their differences? That would be one of my things. What do you want to see in this show? Is there any other, are there any cool throwbacks that you want to see? I want to see, in this series? I, I, want, I want this, I want to see, um, God, I'm spacing right now. I want to see Wesley come back, uh, but I want him to be in a, yep. in a commanding role. I want him to be a main character, not something on the side. I want it to, I want it to fill his cup in regards to his regrets of of anything that happened on the set of Star Trek or Offset when he was mercilessly bullied for. I want it to just be redemptive to him, and for that character to really save the day in some some sort of awesome way. And and uh, I hope he shows up uh, being the traveler. I hope that there's an opportunity for our principal characters to be totally screwed, and you know, like something that is just—they've tried everything they can, and they cannot do something. And then Wesley just shows up and is like, "I'm going to give you the little nudge you guys need." Agreed. You One know? thing I don't want to see is the constant reoccurrence of of, of uh, throwback characters, uh, other than Wesley. Uh, Roe would be cool. But maybe like in like two episodes. But that's it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't need them to be like, I don't need this to be the Star Trek old folks home, you know. But we need to see what happened to the Voyager crew when they when when things end up with that series. And we need to see, we need to see Deep Space Nine. We need, unfortunately at some point we're definitely going to have to have them throw some credibility uh, sauce at uh, Discovery. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah, Crossfield class or whatever. You know, they're going to have to say something that makes that show make sense uh, because they always do that. Even TNG did that with Kirk. And, um, did they actually bring. You know, early in the first did, season. Did they ever bring Kirk into TNG? I'm not telling. And so, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> you know, yeah, I mean, you, you just saw Relics with yeah. uh, Jimmy Doohan, right? So. Yeah. Um, you don't have enough. I'll tell you this: you don't have enough of the series left for them to bring Shatner in. However, I'm not going to say no. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, most of our minefielders are going to know what I'm talking about. Um, right? If you watched any Star Trek at all, you've probably seen sporadic stuff. My favorite thing about Star Trek fans is a lot of them have watched it, loved it. Walked away and got jobs, had kids, been married, whatever. They're doing their thing, and then now they're just like, dude, Deep Space Nine was awesome. I got to go back and check that out. I really enjoyed that show. It really made you wait for things, and it, then it really paid off, and then blah, 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 blah. And you get there, and oh, you know, and you just, 
they fall in love with it all over again. So, well, yeah. it's it, anyway. We could clearly go on and on about <laughs> yeah. this. I think. Uh, I think. Uh, yeah. So we've got comics coming up on uh, what we're going to do. We're, we're going to record on thir- on Tuesday. I'm gonna. De- I'm gonna get my. Uh, I'm gonna go get my books now. I haven't been to the store yet. Um, it's Sunday. It's Sunday where we are. It's 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 I don't know Sunday. where you guys are. It's Sunday. <laughs> it's two forty six my time. I don't know if I don't know if any of my stores are open yeah. down in here. In about so. in about an hour and a half, I'm gonna walk a block away to my good buddy Cody's. We got we got brats, we got burgers, we got uh, beer, we got whiskey, and we're gonna mm. watch some NWA, uh, some random matches from AEW, and then we're gonna put on the twenty twenty Royal Rumble. Man, I can't wait. I, like the last time I watched WWE was like pff, WrestleMania. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm not gonna. Yeah, that's the last thing I really want to say. But like, I I still love WWE, and I can't wait to see them live again. And uh, I love all those characters. And um, uh, I just I, I haven't been watching. I've been busy, and I was in my own hole uh, for a while. And it just it is what it is. But um, I haven't been watching because it sucks. And we've got NWA, we've got Ring of Honor, we got New Japan, yes, we got AEW. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, it's it's really rough when it's like, okay, well, you know that juggernaut's just gonna keep moving despite the fact that it's not going very well, but it's got all these characters and performers that you absolutely love. I'm I'm always gonna love Seth Rollins. I'm always gonna love uh, uh, Ashka. I'm always gonna love Rusev and yeah, but you, oh, whatever geez. it is you guys are doing this Sunday, hopefully you had as yeah. good as a Sunday as us. I'm I, oh, yeah. I am. I'm, I'm trekked out. Royal Rumble time, yeah, isn't I'm it? I'm trekked so. out for the day. I want to go see some violence. <laughs> that didn't have enough violence for you. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. Let us know what you think. Uh, send us some. Send us some messages. Uh, we've got our Facebook page. We got our email. Yeah. Uh, hit us up. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks very much. This is dangerous. <laughs>